Hello and welcome to NDIS Know How, a podcast series that asks how can parents get the very best NDIS plan and sufficient funding to support their kid. This podcast is written and made by me, Melanie Dimmitt, the author of Special, and powered by HireUp, a disability support platform connecting families like mine with top-notch support workers. In this episode, I'm chatting with Joe Abbey, a journalist, media commentator, author, and autism advocate who has three children, two sons, Philip, who's 18, and Giovanni, who's 15, and her daughter Kitty, who's 13. Philip and Giovanni both have autism and are on the NDIS, and it looks like Kitty will soon be joining them as she's currently being assessed for an autism diagnosis. Joe has a lovely new partner who also has autism and who she met at an Autism Awareness Australia event. But for the past five years, she's been a solo mum. Not an uncommon thing to be in the disability family space, as Joe points out. Marriages don't last that long when you have special needs kids. Like it sorts them out pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's either you go one way or the other with yeah. marriage. It's like we're not married, maybe that's the trick. But I feel like maybe. we're forged in fire. But that's um, it. That's the people who are still together that I've met are forged in fire. It makes them stronger. They're on the same page. They disagree, but they will yell at the same teacher. Like, yeah. you know, they will, that's yeah. It. And that's the key. Yeah, that's really great. great I don't know if forged in fire or just like terribly codependent, but yeah. Whatever works, <laughs> honestly. Like, Joe shares her tips for fellow solo parents when it comes to navigating the NDIS. And we also delve into how things change when your kids grow into young adults. But first, I find out a bit about what happened in Joe's family when the scheme rolled into their lives and how she manages her boys' NDIS plans. What changed when the NDIS first came into your family's life? I didn't have any funding for any of Giovanni's therapies because he was seven when he was diagnosed, and that's a long and complicated story. I knew he was autistic from the age of, you know, 18 months to two years, but he didn't start therapies till he was seven, and the the previous model only partially funded you till you were seven. Apparently after that, you were cured. <laughs> now apparently you're cured at 18, but that's another story as well. Uh, so we, you know, we had to assess him. We had to get the diagnosis. We had to save up $3,000 to get that done in the private um, sector. Otherwise, it, you know, takes two years. And so we were broke by the time we started therapy and then every cent went to um, OT like they had the whole list of different things to do with the diagnosis and I was like I just went on a forum on Facebook and said okay autism mums which one do I pick because I can only afford one and they said OT so we did that I always say that um, OT taught me how to care for my boys and teach them what they needed to to learn one hour a week doesn't teach them it wasn't until I realized oh I actually have to be their OT 24 7 so once the NDIS took care of that money, I really tried to make the most of it and focus um, on learning exactly everything that I could and implementing it at home. So it's taken years to get Philip and Giovanni to a point where they can, you know, look after themselves. And there's still issues, you know, and basic ones, you know, hygiene and food prep and safety. And there's little issues, but there's three of them at home, including my daughter. And we live in an apartment full of family. So there's that level of safety. Um, you know, I, can't, I don't leave them alone for long periods, but they are thriving with you know, select independence, but, but yeah, NDIS, if it, if it, you know, if you can get your therapies paid for and you don't have to sort of worry about working 
too much and all of that, you can learn what you need to learn and go home and implement it. Because, you know, if we can't get the NDIS funding, we can't, we're going to have to work more and then we can't look after our kids and teach them what they need to know. And that's what NDIS has given me, that sort of breathing space to be able to just focus and learn and teach my boys. And so it's taken years and now, you know, they can stay home while I'm at work. Yeah, so good. It must have been completely transformational life-changing mm-hmm. like you say however mm-hmm. mo- I haven't met a single family who's had like a, a flawless smooth journey with the NDIS <laughs> what challenges have you had with this game since you've been oh there? it's so hard because it's like saying bad things about a relative that you love you know I know <laughs> you've got to go look this they're not perfect and I really found the process of applying super easy but then the you know the in-person meetings each year oh awful I just feel like they could have just done a google search on autism before I walked in uh just google it you know like the the amount of dumb questions by the time you have a child who's diagnosed you are so broken and tired so you go to an organization representing NDIS and you expect that they will know about your child's diagnosis and quite often they don't. It's rare that like, I, I, I think maybe one out of seven people I met with um, knew enough to ask, you know, the questions that needed to be asked. And so I felt like I was going through a diagnosis again, like having to prove he was autistic. And I was told not to bring him. Um, oh. And then others said, no, bring your kid, make sure they're tired. So they act really autistic. Like there was all this chatter while I was talking to all of my mum friends on Facebook and we're sort of joking about it, but not really. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was awful. And then their processes each time were different. So one time, well, the first year we just sat down, had a chat, and they went on to recommend. I didn't realise I, I meet with, what are they called? Like the LAC? Or LAC, whatever. yeah. So I met with the LAC and I, I thought they were the person, but they talked to the people. And then they, the people come back to that person and she tells me and then I cry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like um, I didn't understand that. That was really clunky. It still is. And um the appeals process has been ridiculous. You know, I think I've put in two appeals and never heard back. Really? Um, yeah, it has run out. doesn't run out. Um, and, um, yeah, it's been, it hasn't been great. Um, so you've run in, out in of funds way. and then I just ran out haven't... of funds a couple of times and just, like, we just paid for it a bit and then just, like, stopped for six months. But then during, actually, COVID, I was quite happy because they just rolled it over. Yeah. Cruisy ads. I was like, yep. Yeah, roll, roll, roll. we love when haven't they haven't had that. a meeting since. Haven't yeah. had a meeting since. Oh, really? So you mm. just roll it. Oh, that that's the dream. I think you just you can't change right. it. Yeah, yeah. It's not great. It's like seventy percent what we need. Um, uh, just roll it over. Just I'm too tired. Yeah, yeah. I understand, mm. and I'd imagine because you've got two boys on it. Are you self-managed yeah. or are you plan managed? How do you? How do I you am through it? plan. I'm plan managed. So my plan manager. Uh, I just can't self-manage. I don't have that sort of time. Um, And I don't even have that level of understanding and my brain just doesn't work that way. So I am plan managed and they're quite nice. They're very lovely. They, you know, send me pretty graphs, let me know what I've got, what I can spend it on, appeals that, you know, maybe I can appeal for this and that. Um, I I am at a point where I do need to go back and say, hey, my boys need different plans because, they've evolved, they're older now, they're not needing that OT and that speech therapy, they need completely different things. And also (laughs) I got a call about a year ago saying, oh, look, Philip's 18 now so he can represent himself. And I said, oh, did you see, did you read his medical file? Like, no, he can't. They said, oh, he can nominate you to speak for him 
but he has to do A, B and C. So I haven't done that yet either. I've just sort of delayed it all. Like I will, and I know that it's there and it'll be great once it's all done, but I'm just waiting till I have sort of that strength to do it. Yeah, you really have to build it up again. It's yes. Nice. Yeah. yeah. To be able I'm to cruise there. for a bit. Yeah. yeah, I've cruised for a bit and I've got a good, like a fair whack of work I need to do to get those plans in place and to be able to advocate for Philip, even though he's 18. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, continue to advocate for Giovanni and then also ask them what to do when Giovanni turns 18 because I felt it would be just sort of an automatic process that I would be able to continue, um, but apparently it's not. As a solo parent, like, can you really push that, you know, I need more support because it is just me doing mm -hmm. this? What advice, I guess, would you have for other solo parents approaching an NDIS plan review for their kid? Yeah, I mean, the begging work, I think it helps. It has a place. <laughs> <laughs> I want to wash my hair. No. Um, <laughs> um, they need to understand your life. So you need to sort of, I almost feel like, talk them through a typical day. You know, I always ask it when I interview people, you know, talk me through a day, take them through a typical day from when you wake up to when you go to bed, if God willing, you get some sleep at night and then explain how that support worker is going to, you know, um, you know, help you get through that day in a better way that benefits your children, your child, who is the NDIS recipient. So I think that instead of, you know, you can talk about how it benefits you, but I think that you need to really focus on how it benefits the NDIS recipient because their training is that it needs to benefit the NDIS recipient. So, you know, um, you know, while the you know the carer assists with this, and then I do these things for my child, and I it helps me do this for my child later because this is what I do while they're with their support worker, and really always tie it back to the child, and also um, explain you know that it's it's their condition isn't something that just disappears. It's here to stay and they're going to need that level of support ongoing. But you also think that they're going to have, you know, ability to work, et cetera. So, you know, let's work together and get me this support, this, this prop, these proper support so that we can get this child where they need to be. And isn't that a great goal for the NDIS, you know? Sometimes I'll say, you know, it must be so great to do this job because you're helping you know, find these supports for families that need them and then you get to see these kids thrive, like it must be great because I can imagine that their job is very draining too. They're hearing a lot of stories, people cry, there's begging. So really sort of like it's a collaboration, um, you know, try to remember you're on the same team in it, even if they don't, bring them along on the journey, break it down into a day and explain about your, you know, your goals for a year, two years, five years, ten years after you die, you know. Yeah, after you die, just like that. And how are you feeling about the prospect of having a third kiddo on the NDIS? Look, it's it's really difficult. You know, female autism is so different. And obviously everything I love about her is part of her autism, but it, yeah. it's presenting some very unique teenage girl challenges. Um, therapy is so expensive. OT is so expensive. I'd forgotten. Yeah. Because the boys don't do it as regularly anymore because they're older. But yeah, I it's sending us broke, and I am expediting her assessment so that I can get some support from NDIS because then I can focus on her instead of worrying about how to pay for the therapy. Yeah. So you know, it's it's you know, it's not ideal, but it's the it's the you got to think of the outcome, and the outcome is 
letting me pay for what she needs so she gets the best life possible and so and I just have that work to do and it's it's, we have to do it ourselves and that's fine yeah and this isn't your first rodeo so you'll get not my first rodeo yeah yeah just yeah and I think that helps me to tell them too look this is my third this is what I feel we need I really hope that you agree you know and then you know you prepare for the worst and hope for the best so if they pay for every second session great you know if they answer an appeal great just you know just you know be grateful for what you get and just gently push back and hopefully it all becomes more cohesive at some point yeah beautifully said I love that that's so like the mantra of the NDA is mm-hmm. like prepare for the worst and hope for the best I think that a great next step for NDIS and for everyone is to just really start to put more consideration into that transition from age 16 to 21 for these recipients, what that looks like, what the parents need to do, what the expectations are, because they don't stop being special needs when they turn 18. Um, But we legally can no longer represent them. That's ridiculous. So there really needs to be some thought. It needs to be like Centrelink and disability payments. They contact you when you're 16 and go, let's talk about when they turn 18 and so you can prepare for it. So I'd love to see more um, more thought into the future instead of just that year, have it be, let's talk about this year and then what are your five and 10 year and after their 18 goals? I'd love to see that and have it written in a report somewhere so the next LAC can read it and we can just hit the ground running and don't have to start from, well, when he was two, this happened. It can be, okay, he's 18 now and this is what we planned. So, yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah, gosh, hopefully by the time Arlo's there, he's almost seven. Hopefully by the time we're there, you will have got that sorted for me. Thanks, Joe. I hope so. Oh, God, I know, I know. So many thanks to Joe for this chat. And if you want to hear more from her, she's speaking at Autism Awareness Australia's Autism Conference, happening in both Sydney and Melbourne soon. You can find a link with details about this in the show notes. Higher Up is a proud sponsor of this event, and my Higher Up colleague, Brianna Blackett, who you can meet in season one of NDIS Know How, will also be speaking at it. A big thank you to Higher Up for also supporting me in making this podcast. And I'll catch you again soon on NDIS Know How.